Insomniac Podcast. My name is Mike. Joining me today for the first time in over a year is my buddy Brandon. Hello. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, well, I mean, we've tried to do this uh, a few times along the way, but it just never seemed to work out between schedules and equipment, and and I'm not even too positive about the equipment today, to be <laughs> honest. Well, we're going we're gonna to see. We'll see how it turns out. So... Anywho, so hopefully we didn't just waste our time and this works out. Let's talk about wrestling. All right. One of my favorite t- subjects. Uh, so, uh, again, it's been a, a year since we've chatted online uh, on the on the old podcast, but we've, we've chatted the whole time, essentially, you know, with the old messenger Twitter and, and other uh, formats of uh written conversation that's sent uh, instantly and not through the, the U.S. Postal Service. So we have uh, we have kept up on each other's rustlings ongoings. We have. Uh, we both went to some pretty uh, significant event recently. Uh, me with my Indie Mania weekend that I've talked about before on the show and have 11 uh, blog posts about <laughs> on the Wrestling Insomniac blog. <laughs> It's an epic uh, mini series. Well, it's it's seven are on the trading cards that I got signed. Uh, I'm a bit obsessive. I didn't want to put all 71 cards in one post. It seemed like a lot. Also seemed like a good time to spread some content out. Uh, and then each then each post had to have a theme, rather it be Japanese wrestlers, women wrestlers, PWG cards, ECW uh, cards, or the last one, which was just whatever else I had left over. Um, and then there's three posts on the actual trip itself as far as the day-to-day. And then the fourth post, or the 11th, however you want to do it, is the summary of everything. Um, <clears throat> so please go check that out. It may sound daunting. It's not. Those seven trading card ones, they, they go through just like that. And if you go to the uh, part four of my Indomania trip, the summary, I've got all the links right in that post for all uh, – all the blogs about the trip and all the blogs about the trading cards and whatnot. So, yeah. And as a reader, I appreciate the way you break it down. You know, I don't have to invest five hours. I can just spread it out right. over time. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Cause sometimes like <clears throat> sometimes when I open up a, a post or a, a article or whatever it is and I look and it's like, you know, 11 pages. It's like, Holy shit, this is a lot. Do I want to sit here and read this or not? And then other times I'll open up and it'll be 11 pages. I'm like, Oh, this is excellent. I can't wait. So, <laughs> I try to go a little uh, middle of the road. And uh, you recently also had yourself a big wrestling uh, wrestling event that you attended. I did. You know, it was this little event you might have heard of. It's called the Crockett Cup. You know, it was it was a big deal in the 80s, and I guess it's going to be a big deal again now. Well, I haven't seen the show yet uh, myself. I know that I saw... Uh, I read your blog post about it, which is excellent, by the way. I like how you break it down with the good, the bad, and you are brutally honest. And I I really appreciate that. (laughs) It's uh, it's hard not to be sometimes. uh, And it's not – I don't take that as you um, like nitpicking or bitching or or anything. You're just being honest like, hey, this is what was awesome. This was what was not awesome, you know. Uh, I honestly can't say – I had any negative experience the whole time I was in New York with, with anything, any interaction I had with any of the wrestlers or the people or, uh, or any interaction I had actually, even with, with fellow fans, everyone was there for a common purpose, you know, to have a great time and enjoy pro wrestling. I mean, how was, uh, other than the event itself that you went to, how was your, any, uh, 
Well, I know one Russell interaction wasn't the best, but I, the fan interaction. I mean, how were the fans? You know, I was surprised um, because, you, you know, the NWA is in a weird spot right now, um, being that they are attempting to rebuild, but they also are really embracing the past. And the Crockett Cup was a prime example of that. We They brought back the, like, original tag team title belts they brought back like the original women's title belt and the ring apron and curtain and everything was a throwback i you mean do not know how jealous i am that you got to go to basically a jim crockett promotion show that old nwa ring skirt the canvas that was tremendous except for that side that said ring of honor on it i mean that was that was tremendous yeah that was that was the only thing it took away a little bit that and i think a couple of the turnbuckles had the ring of honor logo on it but <laughs> yeah um it's weird because, you know, for somebody like me who was, you know, five or six when the Crockett Cup came on originally, um, it, it, you know, it's awesome to be able to live something that I didn't get a chance to live. But it also sends this mixed message of like, who are you actually trying to, you know, who, what fans are you looking for? Um, I mean, are you looking for people that are nostalgic about it? Are you looking for people here in the Carolinas that attended the original Crockett Cups? Um, you know, it, it's, it's really weird. And so I had no idea who we would run into in Concord. You know, was it yeah. was this going to be nothing but people in their 60s, you know, who were like, damn, the Crockett Cups back. Um and, and it wasn't. I mean, there was some there was some older people there, but it was mostly new age fans. Tons of all elite wrestling shirts. Tons. I can't oh. even. I mean, God, it just peppered the crowd with them. Um, you know, it, it, it was an interesting dynamic, but I had no negative experience with anybody. Um, there was no, you know, just kind of crazy people losing their shit. You know, which which sometimes we run into here in North Carolina, people that still think it's all real and they get a little too too worked up um you well, know everybody was was very pleasant um even the guy next to me by the main event he was you know i didn't know this guy we didn't speak at all but it, it was such a good main event he was grabbing on my arms and be like oh my god oh my god he's nuts. And, <laughs> i love it you know he was he was losing it and he's like i thought that was it and, and then um it, it, then I had the awkward interaction, though. We went to the restroom um, after, the, after the show. I'm sitting there minding my business at the urinal, and all of a sudden I hear, hey, man, what'd you think? What'd you think? And I look over, yeah. and I'm like, are you talking to me? <laughs> and it was the same guy, and he's like, yeah. And so we had that awkward conversation across urinals about the show. <laughs> so, But, I mean, everybody was pleasant. It was it was good. Um, you know, the, the crew and everybody that was there putting on the show was obviously Ring of Honor employees, so – it was set up very much like the Ring of Honor shows I've been to. Yeah. Um, so everybody knew what they were supposed to be doing. There was no, you know, no real confusion or anything. And um, as you said, my only my only negative interaction I have to say with anything was with uh, with NWA champ Nick Aldis. So yes, is which you, you definitely detail uh, in, in well, you highlight in detail in your in your post. But uh, that's kind of unfortunate. You know, he's he's the. Uh, flag bearer of the country and, and of the company i mean and i and i understand you know the the thought process of like well you know everybody has a bad day but on this day he shouldn't have been having a bad day you know this was too big of a day this is not like you know back in march when he did the the show in new hampshire there uh which wasn't an nwa show it was just a show that he was booked on and he had a match and you know i mean I, even then he sh you know the, the way he's representing this company and, and traveling around and trying to enhance the brand and the name and the image of the NWA, he basically, he's not allowed to have a bad day when it comes to interacting with the fans in private. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, he, the, the Nick Aldis you see on the 10 pounds of gold is not the Nick Aldis you meet. 
which is jarring. And I I get it. I know it's a character. And I mean, I understand all that. But you said you're the flag bearer. I mean, you were the NWA champion and you're going around telling people you're the best in the world and that you care about the fans and that the NWA is here for the fans. And then you treat the fans the exact opposite. And it's just like, yeah, that's that's not the way this is supposed to go. Yeah. And that's why there's nobody in your line to meet you. (laughs) (laughs) I've seen some clips of the show and, you know, obviously two of the big takeaways for me from what I saw was the rock and roll express against the Briscoes. Um, how, how was that live? You know, it, it it went off way better than I even imagined. Um, I am lucky living in the Carolinas. I have seen the rock and roll express compete in the last, I think the first time I saw them compete was in 2007. And even then, you know, they were looking a little rough, but I remember I was at um, the NWA Legends Fest and I turned to my friend Jimmy and I just go like, God, this is what's wrong with tag team wrestling. He's like, not this. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm just saying we don't get this type of tag team wrestling anymore because it, they were so good. I mean, even in 2007 and I've seen them wrestle probably five or six times since and they still impress me every single time it's it's amazing and with the briscoes that easily could have been a squash match yeah and you know and it wasn't you gave them a few seconds of diet of uh action and i was actually watching uh, did you see the 10 pounds of gold that came out today i have not watched that today no so you got to check it out it's 20 minutes long and it actually highlights the entire event which was i'll have to check that out but um, uh, giving credit to um, whichever Briscoe took the double drop kick because they missed. I mean, by a lot. Well, see, I, I, he the camp, sold yes. it so well, though. Oh, like he, he fucking sells. he ejected himself out of that ring. Like, oh God, yeah. yeah. I mean, and nobody, nobody, there was no chance of you fucked up or anything. Everybody was just thrilled to death. I mean, the crowd yeah. was popping. Everybody was excited. I had taken uh, a friend of mine. It was her first wrestling event, and that was her favorite part of the show. She absolutely yeah. loved the rock and roll express. That was that was it. And I mean, to say that crazy. to a brand new wrestling fan, yeah. you know, they still they still are over. You know, that's that's great. I um I've met the Rock and Roll Express a, a couple of times, and I've never seen them wrestle live, and it drives me friggin' crazy because I love the Rock and Roll Express. I mean, I even I even um. Uh, when they did the Kickstarter for the Rock and Roll Express documentary, I, you know, I, I, whatever the word is, I sponsored, I, I participated in the Kickstarter so I could get the DVD and everything um, funded or whatever you want to call it. Uh, I just, I absolutely love the Rock and Roll Express. In fact, I've never seen them live. Rustling drives me nuts. And um, yeah, so I'm yeah. a little jealous. Uh, I keep pushing Randy up here at Limitless Wrestling. Bring in the Rock and Roll Express. People will love it. Look what they've been doing now. You know, the, the match at, uh, with LAX at spring break, and then now the match with the Briscoes. And I don't know, do you ever listen to Jim Cornette's podcast? Uh, off and on. Depends on so, how great he is. <laughs> I, I have a problem with all the political stuff because I hate politics. So. Me too. That's but, my issue. But um, his last – I've listened to the last three he did now. Because he did or four maybe, I yeah I did the one he I listened to the the one he did on the the Montreal screw job because he's he's very heavily involved in the Viceland documentaries that I want to talk to you about later, but I listened to the one he did on that that was good. Uh, his take on the WrestleMania weekend was good, everything he did and whatnot. But he just put one up I don't know if it was last week or the week before on the Crockett Cup right after it happened like he he did a show on on his experiences that weekend at the Crockett Cup oh, and geez, to listen to him. Oh, yeah. To listen to him talk about the Rock and Roll Express and what they did and how he nervous he was of them rustling the Briscoes because and, 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 
in a very rare uh, breakage of kayfabe, Jim Cornette said, because the Briscoe brothers, they don't always like to work with you. And so he really put I – mean, and he loves the Briscoes. But he was afraid of – you know, the rock and rolls are in their 60s or you know, early 60s, and the Briscoes are the Briscoes. And, and then so to hear the episode where he talks leading up the, the week before the Crockett Cup when he talks about what's going to happen, and then the week after the Crockett Cup, you know, the, that episode where he talks about what happened, two great episodes you may want to check out, especially the post one. Um because he talks a lot about what he did, and 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 like there's a video of showing him running across the arena arena floor at one point, and and everything else, and he even talks about how he had to commentate a Colt Cabana match, which he had to give, which he um, gives Colt Cabana credit, you know, when he takes himself serious, uh, he can go out there and put on a hell of a show. So um, really good ones. You should check those out. Oh, definitely. I'll be I'll be looking at that after the show. <laughs> so. After um, the other Crockett Cup video, that is my big takeaway that I saw, and I'm not gonna lie, I got very emotional about it. And I, it's funny because I watched this video, and you know, the, I don't know, ten years ago, the guy that screamed it's still real to me, damn it, and cried and all that other stuff, or whatever. And, and I hear you talk about the people down in Concord who still think, you know, etc. Um, I got teary eyed, and I just couldn't, like, I was just got very emotional about it and it was just Tommy Young doing the the ring introductions you know and uh I saw the video of it of Hamleek you know they he gives the instructions you know this is a wrestling match this is not a fight this and that and then what what gets me in is when he when he pats the guys down yeah and and I'm just like oh my god and then and he's 71 and I'm just like this is amazing and again hearing Jim Cornette talk about it after the fact um, about Tommy Young and, and, and Tommy Young's – just that was an amazing story, him telling that, because essentially, I guess, Tommy Young went to Dave Lagana and he said, like, so what do you want me to do in there? And Lagana just told him, well, just do what you would have done when it was 1986. <laughs> <laughs> that was the structure they gave him. And, and so, like, they, you know, Cornette talks about Tommy Young, you know, getting in the ring, and he just immediately starts checking the turnbuckles and – and checking the you know the the mat for debris, and then he he does the introductions, and then there's the, you know, the old school way with which he you know checked the guys. I mean, I just I, I freaking loved it. I loved it. Um, and, and that's actually what I wanted to tell you because yeah. I haven't I, I actually downloaded the video yesterday, but I haven't skimmed through that part. But I don't think you'll actually see that on the pay per view because um, I, I believe they were interviewing the Midnight Express when he got into the ring, so they were ringside um, right right in front of me. And so I'm watching the Midnight Express, and they're waiting to come back from one of the video promos and everything. And I see Tommy Young crawl in the ring, and I'm like, no fucking way. Like, I'm like, is this really going on? And, like, you know, he's in his vintage fucking NWA referee shirt. Yeah. You know, yeah. he's got his tennis shoes on. He's, I mean, and, and now granted, the, the camera and the lights are on the Midnight Express. Meanwhile, this man is legitimately checking the turnbuckles, he is kicking the ropes. I yeah. mean, he is checking the entire mat. I mean, like, this is about to be the biggest fight in the history of professional wrestling. And it's technically off screen. Like, it's nobody is going to see this. Yeah, it's the nuances. It's the little things, you know, that make a good referee a good referee. And that's why, to me, Tommy Young is the greatest of all time. He's the standard bearer. He's the gold standard. He's the whatever accolade you want to give him. He's just he's simply the best. And at 71 and he hasn't refereed in 20 years, whatever it is, 10 years. For, I don't know how long it's been. And yet he's still 
is the best. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it, it gave the, the match a whole other feeling. Just just having him there for that little bit. It was just like, my God, really? Is this this is amazing. So I heard he was like the ringside referee and he threw all this as a manager out and everything. Yeah, unfortunately, that uh, outside of the uh, the quick chat before the, the thing started, he was going to be the ringside enforcer, and he was gone within a couple minutes. Um, because I mean, spoiler if you haven't seen the match, but uh, Marty decides to fake that Camille took his legs out, and so yeah. the main referee throws Camille out of the match, and so Tommy Young has to escort her out to the back. Which I mean, as you said, the man's seventy one years old. I mean, he he probably had no business being ringside, especially because they did fight quite a bit outside the ring. There was a lot yeah. of blood spilled that night, um, but it was amazing just having him do something as simple as that. I mean, it was. Again, I, I I do wonder who they're trying to appeal with, and I do think it, in a way it kind of hurts the growth of the NWA by going so retro. But yep. I can't complain about it because it, it's like a little boy in me. It's just like, oh my god! I mean, if you had told me even a year ago, hey Brandon, you're gonna have an opportunity to go to a Crockett Cup, I'd be like, bullshit. Like, are you, <laughs> yeah, right. You mean that the local indie down the road is going to do it in some high school gym? I mean, because they, they have done Crockett Cups like that, which the NWA well, skimming I was about over. To say, <laughs> I was about, yeah, I was about to say, there actually has been a Crockett Cup that the Crockett Foundation did in the past um, since those. But, yeah, they just – they're obviously – they're choosing to ignore that part of the history. And rightfully so. But this felt like a big-time event. And yeah. as I said, I, I took somebody who would never been to a wrestling event before, and they were expecting something more like a high school gym, not a big – you know, production and and it was a big production for what it was, and it had so many great um, nostalgia tones. I mean, I absolutely love the gigantic banners they had straight out of Rocky One. It was just like, oh my god, they just both side of the rings. I mean, you have your two main eventers on these like banners that are a hundred foot tall. I mean, it was yeah. amazing. Um, actually, they talk about that on the Colt Cabana's new podcast, his most recent episode, which was about the uh, going to the Crockett Cup. And he talks to Nick Aldis on it, actually, and Aldis talked about those banners. And they also talked about the uh, the board they had with, like, the tournament brackets. Yeah, it looked like I was a karate like, kid. They tried to have a physical board. Oh, not did just they? A, yes, they tried to do it to do a physical board, not the video, tra- uh, video screen board. And it just didn't – it didn't work out, but um, – you know, video be. screen, obviously, I mean, where we are. I tell you, I love the minimalist set that they had. Like, you know, when I go to a house show in Maine here for WWE, I'd rather them not bring their their lighting rigs and their fancy entranceway and on and on and on. I just want to hear the wrestlers come to the ring, the music on the scratchy house speakers, you know, then walk down with the spotlight and then just, you know, like, I don't know, kind of like house shows when I was a kid, you know, I I, I get it, you know, like my son probably, my son definitely, you know, it's, it's a better experience for him that they have the little mini Titantron in the entranceway because it's, it's like being at the TV show or whatever, but I'm just, I'm old, I'm going to be 40 this year, so I like, I, I like the minimalist set style of it all, you know, I, I like the low light, I like, you know, the the basicness of that like that, and then I see that NWA set and I'm just like, man, like, I love it. You know, I like that they had the tournament brackets up. That was cool. You know, and then the banners hanging down like Rocky. I'm like, all right, I can deal with that too. Um, but I would love it if they would tour around that way. I think the nostalgia factor of the NWA because they've been around so long, they can get away with doing shows with that style for the setup, which helps them monetarily. For you know, very much so, yeah. And the people will still love it, and yet the in-ring action can be modern. 
and I think I think it can work. But obviously, they also showed us, which I haven't seen yet, but based on everything I said and based on what you said, you know, that main event match, they can still give us that old school NWA championship main event match, which Jim uh, Cornette just raved and raved about. Like, you know, that would have fit in 1986 in the Carolinas, that match that they had, that, that Marty Scroll and Nick Aldis had. So, Oh, very much so. It was very much an old school NWA bloody brawl. And I, you know, and I, I appreciate I, my match. I do, too. Oh, yeah. and I did. And that the morning when I was leaving to go to the show, I was just like, you know, there might be blood in the show. And I was like, you know, I hope there's blood in the show. But yeah. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't quite expect Aldis to gash himself quite as bad as he did. But, hey, it was great. You know, it was do you know how um, Ricky Morton got busted open? Supposedly, um, I think he got sh- uh, shot into the um, ring post oh. on the outside really quickly. I think when they did, um, he did his suicide dive on the ring yes. post. Yes, because all sixty-year-old men do suicide dives. <laughs> Steiner, you know her Karana. They yeah. hit the drop kick, and then you know more Robert opens the ropes for him, and Ricky dives through. I'm just like, oh yeah, because you know. Because you didn't just risk death twice already. <laughs> Why not go for the third time? So yeah, I think they ended up brawling on the outside a little bit, and he gets thrown into the the um, the ring post, and you know, I guess he cut himself in. But apparently, Cornette talks to the Briscoes about, do you guys fucking realize that you were just beating up a bloody Ricky Morton at the Crockett Cup in North Carolina? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and they were just apparently they were like marking out for it themselves. But well, I'm I'm gonna say this. I think we talked about this on a previous podcast. I, I'm not a fan of the Briscoes. I'm, I've I've never really seen their appeal. Um, they just they just don't do anything for me. Um, now the crowd that was in Concord, they, it was a nonstop pro Briscoe crowd. I yep. mean, it was nuts how how hot these guys are in Concord. And by far, and I've seen the Briscoes wrestle live once or twice already. This was the best I've ever seen them. Yep. Both their matches were fantastic. They were great at at playing off everything their promos were on t- on you know par um even their after promo that was on facebook that ring of honor posted up where they were just yeah. cussing out like that you legit felt like everything was real like they when they got disqualified they start tearing everything apart i mean the crowd chant and kill the ref and they're freaking going for it i mean it's it was fantastic and i and hats off to the briscoes i, I just had to say something nice because i know i've shit on them before on your podcast but this was uh, you know, I got newfound respect for them after the show and they did the Crockett Cup. Well, I got to say, for me, I always thought the Briscoes were kind of overrated. Like, I, I never thought, thought them to be very special at all. Um, and then I recently, last couple of years, I've been to a couple of Ring of Honor pay-per-views and watching them work. I'm like, wow, they're, you know, they're they're definitely giving it their all. And then, to be, to be quite frank, uh, this past, last November, Ring of Honor had their first ever show in Maine and uh, in Lewiston. And I went and, you know, looking up at the meet and greets, the prices were just outrageous. But the Briscoes were $40 for both of them. And I had that all-in trading card. And you know how I like having trading cards signed? Oh, yeah. So I had that all-in trading card. They're both on it. And I'm like, well, shit, for $40, I can get them both to sign this. So it makes an awesome card. This is technically their first ever trading card, trading, you know, traditional trading card size trading card, which seems odd because Ring of Honor only did some oversized one years ago. And like postcard size ones, which I don't consider those trading cards. It's a fucking postcard. Um, so I was like, all right, this would be cool to get. So I paid the 40 bucks and I went over and, and I had him sign the car and I got my picture with him. And they just really took the time to sit there and bullshit and talk and ask how things were going. And like that interaction that I had with him was just like, 
I really need to change my, my point of view, apparently, because these guys are just genuinely awesome guys. Um, so, yeah, so I, I feel a bit differently about the Briscoes now. And uh, that promo, like you said, the the post-match one that they did, that the Ring of Honor photo, that was an awesome freaking promo, like legitimately awesome. And, uh, oh, God, uh, this just reminds me. So during the WrestleMania show that Jim Cornette put out, he talks about Enzo and Cass jumping the rail at the garden. <laughs> and he goes, you know, you know, you can tell that that was a fucking work because they jumped the Briscoes and they were both breathing after 30 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> That's about right. Cause you know what? It, the are one of those tag teams, you know, yeah. they're kind of like the road warriors back in the day. Like, I just don't want to bump into those guys down a dark alleyway. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure there's something wrong in both their heads and they will fucking kill you and with no remorse. And then right. it's fine. I mean, there's a reason they've only been in ring of honor. Uh, yeah. Just think about, I mean, like, cause honestly, I think as, I mean, if, I mean, realistically as a tag team, they are popular enough and, and they are quote unquote good enough that they probably could have, you know, gone to TNA at one point, you know, especially when TNA was, you know, not needed talent and maybe even the WWE. I mean, they've done some stuff in Japan, but I mean, there's a reason why they've, they've been at ring of honor for so long. They obviously know they have a good thing going there, but, uh, yeah, yeah. I, uh, ah, we just spent 26 minutes talking about that NWA show. So yeah, moving on one last thing about the the Briscoe show. That is the quintessential Southern tag team that the NWA oh. needs if they're going to continue to try to build a foothold here in the South. They need the Briscoes on all their shows. Well, I was afraid, and I don't. When I saw the Crockett Cup tournament, I never expected PCO and Brody King to win. Okay, didn't think that was going to happen. Uh, I, I was kind of thought it was cool they were bringing back the Crockett Cup, and then they said that the winners are going to be the new NWA tag team champions. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. And then they revealed the belts, and I was like, holy shit. Um, that's cool as well. I can get behind that. Um, excuse me, but, uh, I thought for sure we we're going to see like Crimson and Jack Stane or whatever. Oh, I did too. I was, I, I, I was just like, and, yep, that's who's going to win it. <laughs> and when at Bram, whatever his name he's going by now, but Bram and the other guy, when they were, when they won the, uh, the, the rumble match or the, the battle Royal at the beginning to, to become the wild cards in the tournament. Like I thought, oh shit, they're going to win. And then they go all the way to the finals. And I was like, oh man. But, you know, obviously PC on Brody King. Uh, I, I'm glad Colt Cabana won the national title. Um, I, I, I think Colt can definitely give it more, uh, not prestige, but definitely more publicity, more coverage, more notoriety than Willie Mack could, really. Um, I want to see the NWA do more of their own stuff, more of their own shows, and not just rely on the 10 pounds of gold to put their stuff over or having their guys work other shows. Um, as you can see, Colt Cabana is going to be defending the title at Ring of Honor in Chicago here coming up against James Storm. What do you think about that? I mean, I'm I'm excited as hell about that. Uh, you know, James Storm coming out was definitely one of the highlights of the Crockett Cup for me because I've always been a James Storm fan, and I think it's been a damn shame that he hasn't really found a place in the independents or anywhere since he left TNA. And I mean, I'm just like, he's too good of a worker not to be working in a in at least a mid card role somewhere. Yep. So I think the national title is a great level for him. I think he's the type of guy you put that belt on after a couple matches with Colt Cabana and he can take it to the next level. But I tell you, I, uh, there's, if there's, if there's three guys out there right now off the top of my head that, that just scream NWA to me, it, one is James storm. And then the others is the revival. Oh God. Yes. 
<laughs> who desperately need to be in the NWA right now. <laughs> I want the Revival to be released so bad so they can go down to the NWA so they can have a match with the Rock and Roll Express before it's too late so they can you know become the NWA World Tag Team Champions and then just fucking travel the world and show us what tag team wrestling is all about. God, that's a that's a dream. That's a wrestling that's, dream. That's too exciting right there. <laughs> Uh, okay, so I got some other stuff I want to uh, ch- chatty about. Oh, so real quick, I know I was texting you while I was there, but I went to uh, IWE in Fairfield uh, last Friday. Or, yes. Know, Friday, third. And first thing I walk in, it's a fucking 10 by 10 ring. And literally, like, I uh, the top of the ring post was like three inches taller than me. It was. <laughs> like, and it was just like, it, it took away, like, it really took away a lot of the quality of the matches for me. Like, you know, like Jason Rumble and Jimmy Limits, they had a good, they had a fun match, main event, whatever. But uh, the size of the ring just took a lot of it away from me. You know, we had a tag team match where, you know, first of all, the tag champs are, are not the tag champs, but the, t- the, 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 the baby faces or whatever are working corner spots where they're running from the opponent's corner to their own corner, which is dumb because the other two are wide open. So now the guy on the outside of the ring is going to look like a jackass because he doesn't reach halfway across the ring and stop him. Uh, you can't cut the ring off when you have work with five feet, you know, like it's just, <laughs> and then the same thing when they had a triple threat match later on, there's not enough room for three guys to be in the ring at one time and work. Uh, it's just, it took a lot of it away from me. Uh, but then, like I told you, uh, the street, uh, uh, African American tag team come out eating fried chicken for their opening promo. Uh, you know, I would expect that here in the South. <laughs> and later on, they had this gimmick where the other tag team they faced, the Penguin, the Canadian Penguin Alliance. Yep. This one guy comes out with a big stuffed penguin a la Cartman, uh, a la uh, Golga and Cartman there from the Oddities back in the day. And so the street stole the penguin backstage before the match. And so the other guys stole. They're fried chicken, and then now, you know, throughout the match, they're teasing. I'm going to punt this penguin across the ring. I'm going to throw your fried chicken in the trash. Don't you throw my fried chicken in the trash. I mean, like, seriously? Like, there was no there was no microphone, no house mic. So the ring announcer just yelled the introductions, which I got to say, he gave it his all. Uh, they had promos throughout the night, I think. I don't know. Maybe they were just standing around talking <laughs> to each other in the ring. I couldn't hear. I was sitting in the front row. Uh, so I don't know what stakes they were setting up or what this meant. It was, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was just so, so much bad. So much bad. Yeah, and uh, your, your pictures make it look like like a backyard wrestling fed got like a couple hundred bucks to actually put on a, a real show. And I say real in quotation marks. Have, it definitely looks rough. I have never sat in the front row and taken a picture of the ring, and you can see all four sets of turnbuckles <laughs> in one photo <laughs> when I'm sitting in the front row. Like, I'm just like, it's fucking, it's crazy. Um, you know, IWE's been running for over 10 years now in Maine. I think it might even be like 14 or 13 or some shit. And, you know, it's just like, and the guy was running is a great guy and he's got to, you know, and he, you know, he, I got to give him credit. He runs every single month, at least two shows a month. I mean, 
Um, he's trying, you know, and he runs Fairfield and Brew every month, and then he runs spot shows here and there, and every once in a while he brings a name in. But I mean, he runs consistently. But this ring is just such a deterrent for me from ever wanting to go back. You know, I get that the previous ring, the bigger rings broken or was the shits. I mean, this ring, I'll give the biggest credit I can give this ring. It looks really good because it's brand new and, <laughs> and it sounds good. Like when the guys are bumping, it sounds good, which that helps, you know, but anyhow. So I found this interesting with AEW. Uh, they still haven't announced how you can watch their pay-per-view from home and it's in two weeks. Yeah, three weeks because uh, I kind of want to watch Dustin Rhodes against Cody Rhodes because those promos were excellent. By far the best promos I've ever seen. And, you know, uh, like, like Dustin's, I thought was over the top. Great. And I'm like, this is awesome. And then Cody cut his. I was like, holy shit, this is better somehow. Like, I know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, especially like he opened and closed with like, you know, I love my brother. You know, I just uh, it, it was just it was they were both so good, so well done, so well produced. Just as far as like the uh, the, the, the video content and how they are cut and edited and styled or whatever. But uh, I, and then I go online. We're talking about it, and then I start searching. How can I watch this? Oh, I can apparently if, unless I'm there. And I even tweeted like the Bucks and Brandy and Cody and 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 the AEW both of their Twitters. And I was like, how can I watch this from home? And then I never got a response. But then I did see Cody responded to somebody or tweeted something about, you know, oh, all of this will be announced soon or like you'll be able to find out soon because I thought it'd be on fight like Starcast is, but it's not on fight. And in fact, someone commented to my tweet, maybe Starcast knows. And StarCast Hunfight responded with, like, the, I don't know, sticker emoji, whatever it is. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, so AEW's got three shows coming up. We don't know how we can watch it. But uh, one other big thing is, uh, you know, uh, Joey Ryan recently announced that he's leaving the Indies. And the assumption is he signed with somebody, either AEW, WWE, or whatever it is. And then Joey, that was Joey Ryan, that is. And then Joey Janela also announced that, you know, this is his indie tour. Because initially, AEW was going to let their wrestlers wrestle, uh, keep getting independent bookings. Um, and now, apparently, they're only allowing wrestlers that need more in-ring experience to work indies. Otherwise, people like Joey Janela would need permission from... To, to work an indie show, special permission to work. So they're both have announced they're finishing up their indie bookings. So, um, and then, um, Jimmy Havoc over the weekend, a super strong style announced that, you know, like he's all, this is, he just had his last match with progress because he signed with AEW. So, so that's so kind of interesting. What's the speculation re- lead to? I mean, cause the only thing that comes to my mind is if you're not going to give fans a price point or pay-per-view price two weeks before an event, that they're going to surprise us and air this on TNT or whichever major network they have a deal with. That I mean, that's that's where I, I lean to because I'm like, I don't see why you wouldn't either that or you're going to stream this for free on YouTube. You're going to try to get as many eyeballs on it as possible. And I, hopefully that leads to the TV contracts. I don't see. Well, apparently they have a TV deal in the works that's supposed to start this fall. I mean, that's the thing like Janela said that, like, you know, he, he has to finish up on the Indies by the fall. Uh, so I'm assuming that there's some sort of TV deal that they haven't announced yet. And honestly, the way TV listings work, I can't imagine like they have, uh, this is going to air on television, either cable or network or broadcast or otherwise. Um, 
Because they'd already have it posted on their lineup. Which is what I, I would think, too. That's the one that yeah. counts against it. I'm just like, I don't see how you can block yeah. off two or three hours. And plus, is this show going to be family-friendly enough to run on cable? I this, doubt it. Yeah, and I, I don't think so either. So I, I sincerely doubt it. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. Um, I, I really think going the YouTube route isn't a bad idea, though. Show the, Give it away for free. You know, yeah. say, look here, this is what we're going to bring you in the fall. Yep. You know, there's no excuses. You know what we've got. This is what it's going to be like. Mm-hmm. Come back and, and see us. And well, yeah. and, and, and it might be a smart thing to do. Uh, you know, like you said, be, get as many eyes as they can on it because you have the show. You know, we have this show in May. They've already got a show in June. Uh, some festival thing they're doing, whatever with the. I think it's the same thing that Kenny Omega did last year with New Japan in this um, gaming thing. Um, except now AEW is doing it. And then they have the show in July in Jacksonville that they're, that, you know, they're pushing pretty big. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. Um, however, then you have like uh, Chris Jericho, who has said a while ago that with his deal with AEW, that he can work New Japan Pro Wrestling still if he wants to. Like he has that in his contract. And a lot of people believe that Kenny Omega has that in his contract as well, whether he does or not, I don't know. But I will say, you know, great segue to New Japan, by the way. That was uh, nice. At Wrestling, Wrestling Dantaku 2019, uh, night two, May the 4th, after uh, Okada and Sonata's match, which was excellent. You got to go watch it. Uh, they aired a, a video package from Chris Jericho. And essentially, he has challenged Okada to a match for the IWGP Championship on June 9th at their annual uh, Dominion 6-9 in Osaka Joe Hall. So that is a now official Chris Jericho against uh, Kazushika Okada on June 9th in Osaka. Big, big announcement. I wasn't expecting to hear this year. I kind of figured maybe Jericho would pop back up next year, but hey, you know, having a big match a couple weeks after AEW's debut. Well, the, the same day, May 4th, at a uh, indie show in Atlanta, Georgia, Chris Jericho did a surprise run in and beat up some guys with a chair. And then Kenny Omega did a surprise run in and attacked Jericho. And then all the wrestlers from the back ran in and then they seemed to be divided between two factions. And then there was a big in-ring brawl that eventually left with all the good guys standing tall and Omega cut a promo after. But, you know, seeing these two guys pop up unannounced on a small indie show in Georgia, that's pretty surprising. Very much so, but that's actually one of my favorite things that AEW has been doing. I mean, yep. it, it adds a whole other level to of excitement to going to any indie show if there's a chance, yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> Do you watch uh, Being the Elite? I I watch it intermittently. Like I'll pop it in, and watch it for a little bit. I'm a little behind. I you know when they kind of rebooted once AEW got announced, I was I was pretty much caught up to it, but I haven't watched a lot of it. I've actually seen more of Double or Nothing than I have Being okay. the Elite lately. Well, I, I watch them all. I, I, I watch the Double or Nothing or the, you know, the Nightmare Family one, and I watch Being the Elite and everything. And one of the ongoing storylines they have with Joey Ryan is that, you know, because uh, for a while there, he'd get beat up by people, and the Young Bucks would run out and save him, or Hangman or Cody or whatever. So, like, that's a storyline they're doing. Cause they, like, uh, Joey Ryan gets beat up, and they go, hey, where's that blonde girl that used to protect you? <laughs> <laughs> So they haven't said her name yet, but they did show like one of her mini brawler figures like popped in and like they had someone else do the voice and be like, Joey, behind you. And, <laughs> and, 
So I, I've been enjoying them. But going back to New Japan, I mean, they just, you know, I, I, I said it already on the podcast. I've said it on my blog. They need to separate themselves from Ring of Honor uh, if they want to make it bigger. I just did that just based on that uh, that garden show, the, the Mass Square Garden show I went to. But yeah, you know, that's kind of left a, a bad taste in everybody's mouth. I mean, it, yeah. it's the reviews were unanimous. The Ring of Honor part sucked. The New Japan yeah. part was great. Yep. And I mean, New Japan's already been doing expansion kind of it's on its own. I, I do think it's time to go ahead and separate themselves from Ring of Honor and build their brand. Because honestly, Ring of yeah. Honor feels like they're holding them back right now. And Ring I mean, I, I know they don't want to change allegiances or anything, but the momentum's on All Elite here. And that's where all of your stars were in New Japan. So it's like, you know, if you're going to latch on to anybody, there's where you need to go. But I think they can handle this on their own. I don't think they need to be associated with anybody right now. Ring of Honor, I think, really got hurt worse than they thought when they lost SCU, the Bucks, Cody, and Hangman on one foul swoop. I mean, I really think it hurt them more than they thought it would. And they haven't done much to rebuild their roster. I mean, they signed Brody King. They signed PCO. Um, Bandito. But like, they, well, Bandito, yeah, that helps. But, like, that faction lifeblood with... Juice and Ben, that's, just, that's the shits. Realistic. I mean, that's a dumb faction. I don't, I don't, it, it doesn't, I don't care for it. Um, and you got to yeah. think, I mean, unless they pull the money out, odds yeah. are you're going to lose Marty and Flip. Oh, yeah. I, Marty's, I, when his contract's up, I mean, I don't see him sticking around at all. I, I really don't. Maybe, but I, I don't once his contract's got it, it done. And as far as Flip, I mean, yeah, I don't, eh. Ring of Honor's hurting, I think, talent-wise right now. I mean, they, they got—they're they're definitely in a rebuilding phase. Um, and I—they—they I they, like when they announced their show in Lowell this year. Like, I didn't even hesitate about thinking about going. If they come back to Maine, I'll go because it's Maine, and that'd be foolish not to. Because um, I know it'll be good production-wise, at least. But I, I'm not going to go out of my way to go to any of their shows at this point, like I have been the last few years. Yeah, I think they also need somebody new in their office. They need some new booking. I mean, their booking's been yeah. bad for years, and it's just getting worse. So it's time for some new ideas, some fresh face. Some and fresh don't go blood. picking up one of these freaking writers that just got fired from the WWE. Let's let's <laughs> start off fresh with somebody else. You know, it's interesting because um, I think Ring of Honors right now, there's still the best talent they're getting is the New Japan talent. Like when those guys come was on the cards, I mean, that's the draw for me at least. So, uh, but New Japan, you know, they have, they're kicking off the G1 this year in Dallas, Texas, which is pretty huge. Uh, first time at any G1 cards outside the United States, the uh, G1 Climax tournament they do. But they like to use G1 a lot, it seems like. Yeah, they really do. Um. But anyhow, uh, most recently, the Wrestling in, in Don Taco 2019 two-night event, May 3rd, May 4th. Uh, if you have New Japan World or you don't, you should get it. Uh, but go back to May 3rd, watch Dragon Lee against Taiji Ishimori. That match was crazy friggin' good and ridiculous. Um, and then on May 4th, they had three matches on the card that I absolutely loved. The first is Will Ospreay in Dragon Lee against El Fantasmo, making his long-awaited New Japan debut and Taiji Ishimori. This tag match was off the fucking charts. Um, again, Okada versus Sonata, great main event, but the best match of the night, best match of the weekend, really, was Tomohiro Ishii against Evil, which maybe you think it sounds odd to hear that, but Ishii kills it everywhere. Evil 
Evil can put on a five-star match when he needs to. Um, but they're, they're, those two guys went out there and brought it. I've watched that match twice now. It was so good. Um, yeah, I know you. I, I I know you don't follow the New Japan as closely. I get it. Uh, uh, yeah, best of the, go a ahead. behind. Just a little behind. Yeah. That's all. <laughs> uh, best of the Super Juniors starts on May 13th and it runs to June 5th. Uh, and all 17 of the shows they're putting on or will be on New Japan World in English. It'll be Kevin Kelly, and then he'll have a rotating door of, of, of uh, partners with him, probably Chris Charlton, which I met at uh, Russell Cott. He was really cool, the British fella. Uh, Rocky Romero. Uh, maybe they'll bring Excalibur in again. Uh, who knows what they're going to do, but yeah. Um, and then uh, June 5th, they've announced, which is the Super Junior f- Finals, They've announced that Tanahashi is going to be returning to the ring. He uh, injured his arm at the Garden, and he's just now going to be returning to the ring in action against Jay White in a return match from Russell Kingdom. And then, like I said, uh, Osaka Joe Hall, Dominion 6-9. We have the heavyweight championship of Okada against Chris Jericho. And for the IWGP Intercontinental Championship, uh, Ibushi defending against Naito. And they killed it at the Garden. So that's actually a great match. Yeah. So some great, great wrestling coming up. Great wrestling they just had. I, I, I really love the New Japan style of booking. Like you watch these shows, like this Super Juniors block tournament that's coming up. Uh, every day they're going to have these 17 shows. Each show will feature multiple like uh, six man or eight man tag matches because that's just what they do in New Japan. But it works. And during those matches, you'll have guys that are wrestling each other that, you know, the next day or the day after that in the tournament. And they'll build a little story between each other during that match that leads into their singles match they're going to have. And then, you know, then they'll finish off the show that night with a couple of the tournament matches. And it's just the way they've always done it. And it's just, you know, they, it works. It really works. And I don't know if it would work for WWE. Maybe it would. It would get them out of having singles matches all the time. But when you get a singles match in New Japan, they make it feel special. Because with the way they have so many tag matches. and But it just it just works somehow. I like it. I don't know. It appeals to me, that style. Yeah, well, I think, I mean, it's almost a throwback to where the WWE did stuff back even in the 80s. I mean, a lot of your yeah. feuds did start in tag matches, or they would tease them with the tag matches, and it, you would never see these, you'd never see single, single matches, you know, a lot, at least not a lot of single matches on free TV. It was right. always like, oh, here's, you know, Macho and DiBiase versus Hogan and whoever, you know, and it was just like, you know, but we're building up to their match, you know, and that was right. always kind of fun. You, you got to tease, tease, and then finally the payoff. Now it's like, hey, these guys are going to fight at Wrestle WrestleMania, here's four singles matches you can watch free for the next four weeks, and then we'll see the WrestleMania match. <laughs> exactly. That's the thing. Like, And New Japan, right now, they're building that feud with uh, uh, the return match between Abushi uh, and Naito, and they're doing it by having them be in tag matches, where Abushi where came out and said, you know, for the rest of this road to Dantaku Tour, I want to be opposite Naito in every single match he's in. I want to be on the other tag team. And so they had to, you know, re- rebuild the cards to remove someone from the uh, from the opposing team against LIJ to put Abushi uh, uh, in, and you know Japan loves their factions, so you know Abushi uh, is not really uh, not tied to any of the factions, but he wrestled on whatever team he needed to, so he could be opposite Naito in the ring for even a little bit during that match, and it worked because those two guys had hands on with each other, but there was no finish that involved the two of them, like 
like either Naito pinning Ibushi or Bushi pinning Naito. And that's the other thing that works for these tag matches is like when you have Okada in them, Okada's not winning the match every time. Like in the WWE, when Cena's got to get the pin every time he's involved in a tag match because he's the champion and he's got to look strong. No, Okada, his team loses a lot. It doesn't hurt him. He wasn't involved in the finish. It doesn't matter. And it just kill. you know, it gives like, like his, like, for instance, you know, Okada's going to be wrestling Jericho. So if Jericho is involved in these matches, Jericho may get the win for his team. And then he can point at Okada and see like, see, I'm coming for you. I beat your team. You know, like technically I just beat you and your team. You didn't beat Okada though. Like it, it just, it works that way. And I like the way they do it. And I just do. So that's why I wanted to see that New Japan ring so bad when we went to the the, the garden. And when we basically, we kind of got it. You know, we had the ter- two turnbuckles that had the full cover, two turnbuckles that had the three pads. So, you know, it was, they definitely did a mixture of, of Ring of Honor and, and New Japan styles for that for that show. But um, anyhow, I digress. You watching NXT or NXT UK at all? I have not. Um, the only thing I've watched with any regularity is uh, MLW, actually. Okay. I've, kind of, I've gotten hooked on that the past month or so. Well, I'll, I'll have you tell me about it here in a few minutes because I haven't been watching MLW. But I do watch NXT, and I watch NXT UK every week. And I got to say, uh, there's this guy, uh, Mansoor, and he's had a really great match on NXT UK with Travis Banks. And he had a great match this week on NXT with Dijak. So I'm, I'm looking forward to why he lost both matches, but I mean, he looked great losing. So I'm looking forward to seeing more of him. And Kushida made his on TV debut against uh Sono. and the match itself was okay. But what was really cool is they let Kushida keep his, uh, his gimmick. I mean, he's still Kushida. Um, he still comes out wearing the same gear. He was basically his back to the future homage. And, um, he seems to be working the same in style, um, same in ring styles. So, I kind of I kind of enjoying that because I like Kushida. So, <laughs> uh, what's going on in the MLW world? Oh well, um, you know it's 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 interesting. I watched MLW's first show, um, honestly, just to hear Tony Schiavone call it, <laughs> whatever it was, a year year and a half ago. I, I should say their yeah. their first reboot show, um, and I, I wasn't a big fan. I mean, of the of the wrestling was fine. I just I don't like wrestling in nightclubs i never have i mean outside of uh shotgun saturday night it's just never appealed to me it just yeah it screams low budget and i don't know i just don't like it and uh mlw has a problem and they still have this problem of lighting up the crowd way too much yeah and um I've, I've tuned in every once in a while because it's the one wrestling organization that's pretty much completely free i mean they they broadcast weekly for free on youtube they show all their big events for free on youtube yeah I mean, it's good. And um, I kept hearing good things. I know Jim Cornette's been doing commentary for him, and I, I love hearing him on commentary. So I decided to check out Battle Riot that was uh, taped WrestleMania weekend, and I found myself loving the show, loving what I've seen. And um, so I've been watching pretty much every week since then. And, you know, it's – I know I messaged you about this, but it's the closest that I would arguably say to like a WCW that I've seen in a while. It, it's got this, it reminds me of like, uh, you know, Oh God, it reminds me of like just six Oh five Saturday nights. I mean, it's yeah, just, it's like, a, night, yeah. 
Yeah, it's just an hour of just good wrestling. They've got great factions that actually make sense and they're memorable. Um, it's but the, the wrestling's modernized. I mean, there's there's a little bit of something for everybody, but it's it's definitely a little bit quicker paced. Um, the storylines are great. They build up matches really quickly. There's continuity and everything. It, it's kind of everything I've been asking for for wrestling for a while. And so I'm like, wow, I'm glad I kind of checked this out again. So I've really been enjoying it. I want to see where it goes. Um, but I definitely think it's a, a wise hour to spend each week. Now, with that being said, I don't recommend necessarily starting with this week. This week was a special Cinco de Mayo week. And so they had uh, their executive producer, one of our villains, running the show. And uh, yeah. so the matches were kind of set up a little funky and things like that. Um, and my only other real complaint that I do have with it is – they push uh, L.A. Park a lot here lately, um, yep. which that is La Parca from the WCW days. Yes. And I was a huge fan of La Parca, so don't get me wrong. I still like La Parca. Yep. However, La Parca's got to be in his 50s. He is quite a bit overweight. Oh, and he's a big fella. <laughs> yeah. He, 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 has, he has no business main eventing anything in the United States or Mexico right now. So yeah. um, seeing him pop up in the main events, don't get me wrong. He had a great match this past week um, with Pentagon um, in the he's, main event. He's 53. He's 53. So, yeah, so I, I figured he yeah. had to be you know, mid-50s or something. So, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like I'm sure if I was at a show and he came out, I would pop because I've definitely never seen him. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's a chairman. This is great. But – you know, when you're sitting there going like, I'm supposed to take him, you know, as a legitimate title contender. I ah, just with this roster. I mean, you got Brian Pillman Jr. You've got, you know, freaking Sammy Callahan. You got Pentagon. You got Phoenix. You got all these great talent. And, and he's he's in the titles. You know, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only questionable booking I got for him. So, yeah. Well, I tell you, seeing how you brought up uh, La Parca, I'm going to talk about AAA for a little bit because that's just it's what we do. We jump around. This. So I, I I watch AAA now. For those who don't know, AAA is Lucha Libre. It's it's out of Mexico. The two big companies down there in Mexico are uh, CMLL and AAA. I I don't know. Like from my vantage point, AAA is like the WWE to CML's WCW. I would agree with that. Um. And maybe down in Mexico, it's different because CMLL, kind of like WWE, CMLL owns Mexico, the uh, the uh, Arena Mexico, basically. You know, they, they own Arena Mexico. That's where they run their shows, and that's the most celebrated arena in Mexico. Um, so they, that's a little bit difficult for AAA. But AAA is definitely doing their work to expand into the, uh, the U.S. market where – Kind of like how New Japan does and All Japan doesn't. You know, All Japan has a streaming service, but they don't do any English commentary or try to appeal to the English market. So it's, it's you know, you know, Stardom has their streaming service and, and they put up all their shows with English subtitles. So at least you can follow along with the promos and this and that and everything. Um, so they're trying. But AAA, you know, they, they run – they put uh, – I'm not going to say all their shows, but pretty much they put all their shows on Twitch. So when it's on in Mexico, they air it live on Twitch for free and with English commentary. And in the past, they've had Vampiro, they've had Matt Stryker, they've had Conan. And now they've kind of settled in the last couple of shows, last few shows uh, with these two guys. I honestly don't know what their names are, who they are. Um, their English is not their first language, but they're doing the best they can. Um, but like... Lucha Libre is basically crash wrestling. I mean, it's 
it's so crazy. I, I mean, I love it because it's so different from everything else. But I mean, like, just, you know, the style of matches, the chaos, the fact that they don't, you know, they just beat people in the head with chairs still down there. And people bleed like stuck pigs all the time in matches and everything. I just, I don't know. I enjoy it. It's it's like, I don't know what your perception of Mexico is. Uh, and mine's not negative by any means. But it's, it's almost like, oh, that's Mexico. That's different. You know, that's can't drink the water and, and people are poor and, 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 but they, they seem to love life and blah, blah, blah. I don't know what it is, but just triple, triple A just screams like, this is definitely, this is Mexico. This is everything I've, I've thought about what Mexico is. I don't I, know. I agree. I mean, Mexico is one of the only places where you, you can have like demonic clowns in the ring and you don't, yes. you don't question it. You're just like, Oh, thank you. Yes. Those guys are badass. That's exactly I, what it is. Yes. I mean, growing up, even in the late '90s, um, they used to show CMLL on one of the. Uh, I, I lived in Dallas at the time. I should I just preface it with that. Yeah. Um, they showed CMLL on one of the Spanish channels and then AAA on the other. And um, I mean, I watched it every week, and there was no English commentary. But yeah, it, it's so it is so different than our wrestling, and I love it too. I'm the same way, and I think that's why you know, kind of Lucha Underground was so cool and appealed to me. Yeah. Because of it, it took it and it kind of Americanized it a little bit, you know, and it's just I mean, even at the Crockett Cup, I mean, you have your CMLL team and I mean, they still put on, you know, moves. You're just like, what the hell? Who does that? Like, <laughs> like, like, like seriously? Like what? You're way too big to be doing that. Like, it's just it's balls to the wall. We're going outside the ring. We're going to dive off and just pray to God somebody catches us and we, our head doesn't hit the mat. You know, it's just like, that's what it is. And so I'm with you. I love it. And I, I am a big fan. And that's the other thing is like they don't really seem to take they don't seem to uh, take great care in protecting their no. opponents sometimes when they're dumping them on their head or throwing them on the floor, or just giving them a power bomb or, or whatever it is. I mean, it's 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 can be quite brutal at times. But, man, I just you know, I love Fabi Apache. And that's abundantly clear if you've seen anything about my trip to New York and everything and finally getting to meet her and being so surprised. But, uh, you know, so she's in AAA. So, like, I, you know, when she's in the ring, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. And, um, you know, uh, Ray Wagner and Blue Demon, and which is surprising. Like, that's going to be your headline for Triple Mania this year is a mask versus hair match of Blue Demon against Ray, uh, against Ray Wagner. And it's probably going to be awesome. And they're going to be bleeding like crazy. And it's going to be great. Um, but yeah, so I really, I really enjoy AAA and, and what they're doing and the appeal that they're doing to the, the American market. I mean, they're running Madison Square Garden September 15th. You know, tickets are on sale and tickets seem to be selling very well from what I could see because I did go on and look just for shiggles. Um, you know, I went to that AAA press conference. They treated me well. I'm going to be a lifelong fan of AAA after that. So, <laughs> do you think do you think they'll sell out the, the garden? I mean, I don't, I, I don't think so. No, I. I I'd be shocked if they did, but you never know. Um, from what I hear, a lot of uh, uh, like in Mexico, most of their shows sell out, but they're all walk-ups. So I mean, if it could be the same thing, you know, day of people could just go for the sake of going and buy a cheapy ticket. I, I don't know, but I did know like a lot of the ring, like all the front row tickets are gone, and a lot of the front, you know, the ringside seats, you know, they're doing that that. Ticketmaster platinum pricing bullshit, you know, four, five, six hundred dollar seats, and they're selling. So we'll see. I guess. Do you think it'll sell out? 
I, I don't know. I mean, I, I just I wasn't sure really how large the Hispanic community was in New York City, yeah. and so I wasn't sure. Like, like I would see them, you know, running shows in in Dallas or San Antonio or Phoenix and or you know San Diego, places like that, and doing well. I just wasn't I wasn't sure about the Garden. I mean, it's AAA is obviously a big deal in Mexico. Um, however, if I'm not mistaken, that they are still smaller than cmll right rating wise and stuff i i th- and that's the thing that's why it's it's hard because i think they are i think locally the footprint they have in Man- okay wrestling in mexico is huge period there's so many promotions running every single day you know running all over the country which is a it's a big country i realize but like wrestling is like in mexico it's soccer and wrestling you know like number one number two and it has been for years. Like uh, Anthony Green, all good Anthony Green, a retro AG, whatever you want to, you know, retro AG who just signed with uh, Evolve. He just did uh, a tour. That he got. He just went down to Mexico and did a tour uh, down there with um, a promotion, and and they went to four towns, and they were like all old historic arenas that were 60 plus years old. That wrestling's been there for like 60 something years, and he went to the Al Santo Museum, and which looked bad ass like this whole museum dedicated to one guy you know and it was a really nice looking museum from all the photos he posted and everything so you know mexico and mexico lucha libre is is huge and so i feel like but like you're saying the footprint that triple a has in mexico is smaller than cmll well, I mean, cmll is the oldest wrestling organization still in existence it was it was, in the I was in yeah, the in the world. world. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I was even looking world. it up. So I was trying to remember. It was the 30s. It was 1933 is when it started. Yeah. I mean, you got to think about that. that is crazy for one yeah. promotion to continuously be running. Whereas AAA technically started in 1992. And it's, it's yeah. kind of changed a couple times over the years. But it technically started in 1992. So in a weird yeah. way, AAA should be the WCW to CMLL's WWE. Right. But I think, I think AAA is more palatable for Americans. Whereas CMLL is almost more traditional, so it's kind of a yeah. it's a really weird. I mean, it's so weird with our dynamics trying to compare our wrestling to their wrestling and how it actually works. But who knows? There's an excellent documentary series on Netflix right now. Uh, just look up Lucha. It was uh, like six episodes, I believe. They're about a half hour each, and each episode looked at a different aspect of Lucha Libre from um, training. Women wrestler, men wrestlers, the arenas. They looked at the, the you know, historic buildings around, and they did one on the fans, which because the fans of Lucha Libre are very unique because they're still living in the territory days where CMLL runs a show in their vang- in their market every week on Wednesday night, and every week they see they, they, they each arena has these fan club sections where people bring drums and they wear t-shirts. And it's just, you got, I mean, like you got to watch this documentary special on Netflix that they did. Uh, I can't think of the t- other, just look up Lucha. It's in the title. I can't think of the rest of it, but I've talked about it on my blog in the past. I've talked about it on the show in the past. And you know, the episode on the fans is just crazy because it really shows you how much people love Lucha Libre down there, you know? And then I'm, I, I look at myself and go, I don't have enough people around me that like it that much. Yeah. <laughs> I've had to get friends that live across the fucking country and across the world that like wrestling as much as these people in Mexico. do. Um, but anyways, I think what AAA, the reason why they're, I, I'm more familiar with them than CMLL is because of the steps they took 
to get into the American market. You know, they had that association with WCW back in the day when they brought in all the luchadors and everything. They all came from AAA. You know, when Conan came in as the Mexican heavyweight champion, he was the AAA champion. Um, you know, the, when Worlds Collide events that AAA did and then Triple Mania, you know, making it available, even if that's the only show they did, they made that available in the American market every year. And for the last five, six years or whatever it is, they've had English commentary on there, you know, um, and then now they're taking these steps even further to break over. He break into the, the U.S. market with their Twitch channel and putting English commentary on all the shows. And, you know, I mean, like not for nothing, like the last Twitch show I just watched, which was um, Friday night, I think it was Friday. Yeah, Friday night when I got to work, uh, it started at like 11 p.m. actually or something like that. It was a Friday. Yeah, it was Friday night. Anyways, um Oh, yes, that's right. It was awesome because I got to work. I went to IWE Friday, got to work for 11 o'clock, log into my workstation, get ready. I look at my phone. Oh, AAA is having a show. Starts at 11 o'clock. So I put that on on my tablet and I just set it on my desk and I watch it while I'm working and doing stuff or whatever. And then at uh, that got over at 2 a.m. And then at 2.30, New Japan had uh, Wrestling and Dontaku Don Night One on live from japan so i put that on it was a great day for me but <laughs> but anyways uh yeah so triple mania has made a point to break into the u.s market which is why i think i'm more familiar with them than or the in general people are but sorry i got sidetracked that show on friday night i mean at one point because in the top right corner it showed you how many people are watching on twitch on their english channel and it was only i think i think it, the most it hit was 2500 people but that's 2500 more people than are watching cmll because CMLL doesn't have an American market show right now. Oh, yep, definitely. I mean, so, if, if AAA came anywhere near me, I would definitely go check it out. I mean, I would love to see a Lucha match or Lucha show, complete Lucha show. A real Lucha Libre show. Absolutely, yeah. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Anyhow, oh, geez, where else are we going? Oh, Impact. Let's talk about Impact real quick. Let's do it. So they've launched their new streaming service, replacing the Global Wrestling Network with Impact Plus. Um, it is $7.99 a month or $17.71.99 a year, which averages out to $5.99 a month. So that's not a bad price. Um, however, it doesn't include their four big pay-per-views. It just includes the monthly specials. They're going to a, a they're gonna have um, a live monthly special every month. They just had one Sunday night in um, with House of Glory, New York. Uh, all the weekly episodes of Impact and Explosion will be on there, plus shows from their international partners will be on there, plus the complete TNA slash Impact libraries are going to be on there. And you'll be able to watch pay-per-views through their streaming service, but you have to pay for the pay-per-view. However, the other thing they're doing is if you buy the pay-per-view, you get three months free of Impact with any pay-per-view purchase – of the Impact Plus with any pay-per-view purchase. So if you buy the pay-per-view for I don't know I don't know what they are, are they forty bucks maybe? Ah uh, thirty or forty, I can't yeah. remember. So if you subscribe for three months, they're looking at okay, that's twenty-four dollars. So if you spend forty on the pay-per-view, essentially you get the three months of impact streaming for free, quote unquote, and you're only spending, you know, sixteen extra dollars if you would have just subscribed to it normally and this and that and but then there's no incentive to get the pay-per-view if you buy the yearly you know, if you pay seventy one ninety nine for the year for the Impact Plus, there's no incentive to get a discount on the pay per view. You know, like so. I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't sound like that was thought through all the way. <laughs> I 
mean, unfortunately, WWE's model of having uh, every pay-per-view on the network for free for 10 bucks a month spoils fans. It, it does. You know, and, and here's the deal. I don't I, I haven't paid for pay-per-view in quite some time. I don't mind paying for pay-per-view, but yeah. it's got to be under 20 bucks. Like it really it's does. The thing. Yeah. Like, yeah, I agree with you. $40 I, on a pay-per-view. I'm just like, but what if it sucks? Then I just wasted $40. That's yeah. 40, $40 and $3, three hours of my time. You know, <laughs> That's like WWE Network at ten bucks a month is not a threat. You get the pay per view, you get two hundred five live, you get NXT, you get NXT UK, you get whatever other specials they're gonna have. Like you know Friday, like uh, Monday night they just had on there uh, dinner for three with Kim Orton, uh, Reby Hardy, and Kurt Angle's wife. I thought I haven't watched it yet, but I'm, I'm going to because that's interesting. That's unique. But a lot of people complain, well, you don't get Raw and SmackDown live every week on the network. You know, you have to wait for it to, you know, be on the network like four weeks later. Eh, you get every pay-per-view for 10 bucks. You get NXT. You get NXT UK. You get 205 Live. You get, you know, plus they keep adding to the old libraries of all the other content and stuff. So, like, you know, WWE makes it appealing, if you will, you know. Um, I don't know. I'll probably get a month of Impact because I do want to check out some of the stuff in the vault they have on there. But I don't see myself subscribing every month or even paying the yearly fee. Yeah, I'm kind of, if it had the pay-per-views, I would definitely do it. I mean, because last year I watched Rebellion. I even reviewed it for the blog, and I loved it. Yeah. And this year's Rebellion, I watched a lot of the highlights and read it, and it sounded like it was an, another amazing show. I mean, just another fantastic show. And I think Impact's got a lot of potential, and it seems like oh. they're in it for the long haul. I was really afraid they were going to close up shop after yeah. losing their TV deal, but, I mean, they just signed this week alone, but Willie Mack to, like, a three-year deal. and um, Well, they Josh Alexander – and, and and Ethan Page as the North. I mean, they're killing it in tag matches down there now. And OVE's great. I mean, yeah, Impact is really building their roster. And and but they're not just a, they're building great shows. I mean, like they've been putting on good shows consistently since Callis and Scott Demore took over. Right. And so there's there's a lot of potential, but I think still a lot of fans, even like me and you, who are I mean, would you you would argue say diehard fans yeah. are still struggling to pull the trigger to buy the pay-per-views. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, why don't you I mean ten dollars? Make them ten dollars and I will buy all of them. It's and kind of like going back to years ago, uh at Fairfield, uh Maria was there shortly after she left the WWE. She was there with Mike Bennett who was working the show. She was just kind of there. She wasn't on the show. But at intermission, she came out and got in the ring, and for $20, you could get your picture taken in the ring with Maria, and she'd sign something. Well, five people bit of the 300 people that were there. If she would have charged $10, I bet you half the audience probably would have done it. Oh, yeah. You know, like, it's all... And, and this is how I look like TNA. Like, yes, you're rebuilding. Yes, it's great. But you know what? Charge 10 bucks a month for your streaming service and put your pay-per-views on there or make it appealing so that you pay $7.99 a month. You get the monthly service and then charge $10 if you want the pay-per-view on top of it. And then you get more people like me and you subscribing and me and you talking about it on Twitter, which we would do. Yep. You know, we would watch it. We'd probably both review it. We'd even maybe do podcasts after it. I mean, the the money, whatever that little bit you think you're going to lose is going to come back tenfold. Yeah, it would. And again, more people are are going to pull the trigger on a ten dollar pay per view than a forty dollar pay per view. Yeah, Plain and simple. 
you know, uh, but again, I'll probably get a month or two so I can watch some of the, the old stuff. Um, now, did, did they complete the vault? Because see, I tried uh, Global Global Force Network, Global Wrestling Network. I mean, gosh, it's probably been a year, year and a half ago. And my, yeah. my, I was really excited about watching some stuff from like 2008, 2009, which were my favorite years of TNA. Built like all that leading up to Hogan coming in. Yeah. And that was what was missing. <laughs> and I was like, "Fuck, this is what I wanted to see." It's I don't like know. it wasn't I, I, there. I don't know. I know the things it said. You know, they the talked about. It said the complete vault. So I don't know if that means they've completed it or, or complete where they've gotten it. I, I'm not sure, but they have said the complete vault. So Okay. Well, let me ask you another impact question. So what your opinion is, because I saw there was a lot of debate online following Rebellion. Um, Michael Elgin has left New Japan and is now an impact and in the title picture. What, what's your thoughts? So, you know, I know Elgin was – charges were dismissed or he was acquitted or he was cleared or whatever it is, but there's still that, that reputation is there for what he did and what he covered up and what he didn't do in this and that. And, you know, obviously it's hurt him because other than new Japan, the only bookings that he had was IWA mid South. And that's pretty much it. Like no one was booking Elgin for a reason. Um, then he left new Japan and I was surprised because it's like, I guess you're, you're done wrestling because no one's booking you. And then when he popped up in TNA, I was even more surprised because to me, there's still a, a stigma attached to Elgin. Um, is he talented in the ring? Yeah. He's decent in the ring. You know, um, I hope this doesn't hurt him. I mean, what, what do you think? I mean, honestly, I think it's the the best thing for him because curtain jerking for New oh. Japan wasn't wasn't helping him. Oh no, this is definitely a better move for him. Yeah. I just don't know how it's going to work for Impact. I'm like, you guys are rebuilding, and I mean, that was kind of the response I saw from at least. I mean, I mean, okay, we're talking about the internet wrestling community, so right. You know, we take that with a grain of salt, but there was a lot of backlash immediately um, yes. to him showing up, and I'm just well, my like, my Twitter feed exploded with the backlash. Yeah, and it's just like I just, I mean, the the risk versus the reward I don't think was there for Impact. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think what he's done so far and what I've seen has been pretty awesome. He looks like he looks great. He sounds great. He's he, I think he's a great matchup for a cage for the title and all that stuff. But I I just don't think this is going to help Impact right now. No, I don't think it is either. I don't think it's going to help him at all. All right. Uh, you know, going back to WWE real quick. Did you see there? They've officially announced the Saudi Arabia show on June 7th. Of course. And Goldberg is going to be wrestling. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, more exciting than that, though, uh, the next TakeOver show is going to be TakeOver 25, and it's going to be in uh, Bridgeport, Connecticut. Which is much cooler and less blood money. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Um, uh, my buddy Mikey is going to Money in the Bank here in a couple weeks in Hartford, Connecticut. And then he's like, I'm going to Bridgeport for takeover. And I'm like, man, if I was younger and didn't have kids and I could do stuff like that, I totally would. <laughs> but it's weird because takeovers on June 1st and there is no uh, there's no pay-per-view around there. It's just going to be a solo takeover Saturday type of thing. Which I think is fine. I mean, oh, I'm, I'm completely fine with that. NXT yeah. has its legs. And I mean, yeah. 
after going to my one NXT, my first and only NXT oh, show I've been God. to this year, I, I won't miss another one. I mean, well, um, my hope is that when they're running, as they're running uh, the takeover in Bridgeport, I'm hoping they finally come into Maine, maybe. You know, because maybe they'll run a couple house shows leading up to that Bridgeport show, and they'll run a show in Maine because they've been to Lowell, and that's the furthest north they've been. They've been there twice, and um, yeah, it'd be fun. It'd be nice if they did. That's yeah, awesome. I imagine. <laughs> it'd be nice if they did. So uh, I don't. Do you follow Progress Wrestling out of the UK? No, pretty much not at all. all right, I, I, I did a little funny. bit a couple years ago, but not much lately. Well, they just had their big tournament weekend, Super Strong Style 16. In a couple of weeks, it'll be up on Progress on Demand. I'll get it then. But everything I've heard from the weekend is that it was an unbelievably awesome fucking weekend of wrestling. Um, WWE loaned out some talent to them. You know, Kyle O'Reilly was in the tournament. Trevor Lee was in the tournament. Um but, uh, yeah, from everything I've heard, it was an unbelievable tournament. And uh, <laughs> uh, they had a death match on night three between Paul Robinson and Jimmy Havoc and Jimmy Havoc's final in progress show. And uh, you should just go find the pictures of Jimmy Havoc after because he wore a white shirt, white pants, white everything. And now they are they are red. <laughs> I mean, the amount of blood that he spilt was absolutely crazy. And there's some awesome, awesome, awesome photos uh, that were taken backstage and then during the ring by the, the photographer that does their photos ringside beyond Gorilla Guy. Uh, holy crap, were they good? It's great photos, and I can't wait to watch the tournament. I, I Progress puts on some great shows throughout the year, but their Super Strong Style 16 weekend is it's the top it's top notch. It's absolutely tremendous. Yeah, I'm seeing these pictures. You were you were definitely <laughs> right. Which is is crazy because um you know to, to flash back to MLW, he actually had a New York street fight with Tom Lawler for the MLW. Uh, title uh yeah. just a couple weeks ago so <laughs> no problem bleeding yeah no jimmy havoc i mean a like he's a deathmatch guy obviously but he yeah. does more than that but he's been in tournament of death and over here for czw and everything and he's done some other stuff but he has the toss-up between the most un kind of odd instagram feed is between him and minoru suzuki because Minoru Suzuki is just like every, you're afraid of him, you know. Like he's, <laughs> but his Instagram, he just looks like a, such a nice, normal guy. <laughs> it's really weird. And then Jimmy Havoc, like, you know, for the reputation that he's built himself in the ring, and he's been hugely popular for years. You get his Instagram, and it's hilarious. Like it's absolutely hilarious. A lot of the stuff he does, like he has, like I don't know. You, you really just got to check it out and. And just have a look around. Not everything that he does is gold, but like that his you know, and his Twitter is absolutely hilarious as well. Because like I don't know, I don't know. Him and when him and Millie McKenzie went to Japan earlier this year, and she kept posting all kinds of stuff, and he'd be in the background like making faces. I don't, I don't know. Like they're not together, quote fingers, but like it's almost like he was big brothering her while they were there because it was her first trip. And it was just, it was hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. I don't know. I found it great. Um, I guess the last thing I want to talk about is, did you hear, are you familiar with the ECWA Super 8 tournament? I am. Okay. 
Well, I didn't know how this got under the radar to me, but I didn't find about it until after the fact. But on April 20th, ECWA ran a Super Legacy, a Super 8 Legacy tournament. And these are the eight competitors. Colby Carino, Lance Onaway, Bill Brian Pillman Jr., uh, Wes Briscoe, Ross Von Erich, Marshall Von Erich, Leland Race, and Tim Zabisco. Ah, that's a, that's a heck of a heck of a listing there. Got a lot of classic names as well. You know, I I didn't I have no I had no fucking clue that Larry Zabisco had a son named Tim who wrestles. But I only I only knew he because does. They, he does come to the Carolinas actually. Oh, does he? Yeah, he come through. There's a there's a Revolution Wrestling Authority in High Point. I think they had Pillman versus him just a few months ago. Oh wow! I mean, he's 36, but he's only been wrestling for like seven years. And um, yeah, um, I don't know. Someone here on the uh, cage match posted. From what I've seen so far, Tim has a good look. He has somewhat of an impressive charisma, but he has a lot to work on when he's in the ring. And that was from 2013. So I mean, that was six years ago after he'd been there, been wrestling a year. So you know, I don't, uh, I, I don't really know what to say about him, but I didn't even know that he existed. <laughs> you know, and at first I was like, is this like? Then I thought, I was like, is that a is that a worked name? Like, is that not really his quote unquote son? And then I was looking, and I was like, oh shit, no, it really is. Which I would have been annoyed if they did kind of had like, like Lance von Eric in the tournament type of thing. You know what I mean? Not a real family member, just someone who used the name. And then the same thing, like you know, Leland Race being in the tournament. It's like, I don't know his relation to Harley. I don't know if that is his son or nephew or grandson or whatever it is, but. I don't know. It just seemed uh, pretty damn cool. And I'd like to try and find this tournament online so I can watch it. Yeah, you, you think ECWA has been around for a while. You think they would definitely like, post it somewhere or sell DVD or something. I mean, yeah, ECWA has been around, I want to say, like 50 years or some shit. I mean, like uh, for an independent, they've been around a really, really long time. Well, yeah, I mean, it wasn't – I mean – I can't remember. I'm trying to remember the, one of the first ones was even like like Benoit, one of the first Super 8 tournaments with them or something. I mean, I remember it was real oh. quick. I'm sorry. Uh, 1967 is when ECWA first started and they've been running the Super 8 tournament for years. And now they also in, and, and now they also do the Super 8 chick fight tournament. Uh, and it was Billy Kidman that was in the first one okay. that I was thinking of Kidman yeah. and Reckless Youth. In the first bracket. Oh, reckless Youth, man. That's a guy. Like, he was awesome. Mike. Yeah, in the first uh, yeah, in the first ECW, in the first Super 8, yeah, Billy Kim and Reckless Youth, Cheetah Master, Devin Storm, a.k.a. Crowbar, uh, Lance Diamond, a.k.a. Simon Diamond, and Ravishing Ronnie, and then Ace Starling against Inferno Kid. I mean, that's a great lineup. And then, holy crap, the second year, Scott Taylor, Reckless Youth, Ace Starling, Mike Quackenbush, Devin Storm. I mean, yeah. Well, look at the, there. the third year, Christopher Daniels, Matt Hardy, Christian York, Jeff Hardy, Steve Bradley. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So this is the uh, well, 20 – this year will be the 22nd annual. But that Super 8 legacy, I mean, that was just – I'm like, how the hell did this kind of, quote, unquote, get by me? But uh, anyways, so yeah, that's uh, – oh, Anthony Green competed in the, in the uh, Super 8 last year. He made, it to, he made it to the semifinals. I'm a big fan of Anthony Green. What can I say? But anyways, <laughs> um, yeah. Anything else you want to talk about uh, wrestling related wise? 
No, nothing, nothing new. No, nothing too new in the news that I got going on. I mean, I can think All of. Right. Well, I mean, I guess that's a show then. So well. thanks, uh, thanks for listening. Um, on the uh, on the old uh, Twitter machine, I'm I'm Superstar Mal. Obviously, don't forget to check out the Wrestling Insomniac blog. Uh, Brandon, do you want to share your? You can find me on Twitter at Lucha Koopa. That's Lucha like Lucha Libre and Koopa like the Koopa Troopers in Mario. <laughs> I'm very mature for my age. Hey, I'm, I'm not. <laughs> Anyways, thanks for listening.